This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Well, how you doing? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and not good night just yet. This is your pal Dexter. How are you today? This is Kidnappers Kids on Radio Kidnappers. Don't forget our phone number if you want to leave us some lovely messages or just say hello is 87887810. But first up, hmm, that was a bit loud. Yes, first up, we have a story. And this story is called Diana and the Golden Apples. And I know it's an especial favourite of my good friend Claire Louise. So if you're listening out there, Claire, I hope you love listening to this story one more time. Here it goes. Once long ago, in the wild backwoods of a country named Greece, a little baby girl, Diana, was traveling by horseback to the city of Athens with her mother and father. It was dangerous to travel through the rough, lonely country. Bands of robbers hid there. Even now, dark, cruel eyes watched little Diana and her parents as they went slowly on their way. Ahead of them was a clearing. Here, the bandits planned to seize Diana and her family and hold them for ransom. Behind the rocks and trees that surrounded the clearing, the robbers hid themselves. Just as Diana's father led the horses out of the forest, the bandits sprung out, screaming and waving their swords. Diana's father fought back fiercely, but there were too many for him. The bandits hurried to tie him to his horse. Suddenly, one robber shouted, A signal! A signal from the lookout! Hunters are coming! Afraid of the brave hunters, the bandits rushed away with their captives. But in their haste, they left little Diana behind. Only a few minutes passed, then the hunters broke into the clearing, but they were too late. The bandits had escaped. The hunters did not know what had happened to Diana's parents. They asked her where she came from. She was only a baby, and she couldn't tell them. Not knowing what else to do, they took the little girl home with them to raise as their own child. As Diana grew into a young girl, she learned to be a huntress. Among all the children, only her best friend, a handsome boy named Melanion, could ride as well, shoot as straight, or run as fast as Diana. She was so happy staying with the hunters and her good friend Melanion, she almost forgot she had a mother and father of her own. Diana's mother and father were held captives for many years. Finally, they escaped. In all that time, they never gave up hope that they would find their daughter. One day, a soldier who had been hunting in the back country came to Diana's parents and told them he had seen a beautiful young girl. 
Soon Diana's happy parents found her, and they all decided she would go back to the city with them. Diana tried not to cry when she had to leave. She called back to Melanion, When we are grown up, I will marry you. And she rode away. Diana went to school and grew up to be a beautiful young lady. But she never forgot her happy years in the country. She never forgot how to ride, to run, and to shoot. And she never forgot her promise to Melanion. Many young men wished to marry Diana. Her parents thought a girl of her age should take a husband. It had been many years since she had seen Melanion, so Diana, to please her mother and father, promised to marry the first young man who could outrun her in a race. Many tried, but no one could run as fast as Diana. The people of Athens came by the hundreds to watch the races. Diana was their favorite. They cheered and laughed as she sprinted far ahead of her closest rivals. The onlookers tossed presents to her. And even during the race, Diana could pick up a gift and keep running fast enough to win easily. One day, a handsome soldier stepped close to her and said, Diana, will you run against me? Diana's heart beat faster. It was Melanion. She smiled, for she remembered that as children, only Melanion could run faster than she. But her heart sank when she saw the large scar of a battle wound on his leg. They prepared to race. Knowing how she hoped Melanion would win, Diana's father gave the young soldier three golden apples and whispered something in his ear. At the line, a voice called, Go! Melanion sprang into the lead. Diana's friends cheered her on. She had to try as hard as she could. Diana began to gain. Out in front of her, he tossed a golden apple. She scooped it up. Melanion held his lead. Diana began to gain. Again, Melanion threw out a golden apple. She swerved to pick it up. The crowd cheered, but Melanion was still in front. Now the finish line was in sight. Diana was gaining. Melanion dropped the last apple. Diana reached down. The third apple was much heavier. For a split second, she slowed, then regained her speed. Just as she was about to catch him, Melanion crossed the finish line ahead of her. Though she had lost the race, all of Diana's friends were happy because she married her childhood sweetheart and lived happily ever after. Gosh, I always feel out of breath after I've heard that story. There's just so much running about the place there. It's incredible. Yes. And today is a very special day. Today is a very special day. It's a day that, hmm, let me think. You could be going to school. You could be going to work. 
Um, it could be, it's definitely somewhere, someplace, sometime out there. It's somebody's birthday. If it's your birthday today, happy birthday. Have a fantastic day today. And also, depending on what time you're listening to this, you could be sitting down and having your breakfast. Hmm. Now there's an interesting word, breakfast. Breakfast is actually two words, break and fast. Hmm. Let's see. wonder what that means. Well, the first one is break, so you must be breaking something. I wonder what they're breaking. The second word is fast. Now, it doesn't mean going really, really fast like Diana and the golden apples. It means when people don't eat anything for a while. They go on a fast. So in the morning, after people have been sleeping all night, they yawn and they get up and they break or stop their fast and have something to eat. Yum! Breakfast! What do you have for breakfast? Do you have toast? Do you have cereal? Do you have fruit and yogurt? There's just so many options of things you can have for breakfast. Mm. Speaking of breakfast, I didn't have a chance to write another episode of the exciting, epic adventures of Happy the Caterpillar. But next one that I write for before next week, I think it'll be about Happy's first breakfast. So I hope you're looking forward to that. But next up, we have... Oh, I hope you don't want to eat this, lad. This is the gingerbread man. An old woman was baking one day, and she made some gingerbread. She had some dough left over, so she made the shape of a little man. She made little eyes for him, a little nose, and a smiley mouth, all made of currants. And then she put little currant buttons all down his front. Then she laid him on a baking tray and put him in the oven. After a little while... She heard something rattling at the oven door. She opened it, and to her surprise, out jumped the little gingerbread man. She tried to catch him, but he slipped past her, calling as he ran. Run, run, as fast as you can, you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. She chased after him into the garden where her husband was digging. He put down his spade and tried to catch him too. But the gingerbread man ran past him, calling, Run, run, as fast as you can, you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. He ran down the road with the old woman and the old man following. Soon he passed a cow. The cow called out, Stop, gingerbread man, you look good enough to eat. But the gingerbread man laughed and shouted over his shoulder, I've run from an old woman and an old man, Run, run, as fast as you can, you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. He ran on with the old woman and the old man and the cow following, and soon they all passed a horse. Stop, called the horse, I'd like to eat you. But the gingerbread man called out, I've run from an old woman and an old man and a cow. Run, run, as fast as you can, you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man. He ran on with the old woman and the old man and the cow and the horse following. And soon they passed some people making hay. Stop! they shouted. You look good enough to eat. But the gingerbread man called out, 
I've run from an old woman and from an old man and a cow and a horse. Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. He ran across the fields with the old woman and the old man, the cow and the horse and the haymakers all following. Soon he met a fox and called out, "Run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man." The sly fox thought to himself. That gingerbread man looks good enough to eat, but he said nothing. He waited until the gingerbread man reached a river, with the old woman and the old man, the cow and the horse and the haymakers, all still chasing after him. Now the sly fox said, "Jump on my back, gingerbread man, and I'll take you across the river." The gingerbread man jumped on the fox's back. And the fox began to swim. As they reached the middle of the river where the water was deep, the fox said, "Stand on my head, gingerbread man, or you will get wet." So the gingerbread man stood on the fox's head. As the current flowed more swiftly, the fox said, "Move on to my nose, gingerbread man, so that I can carry you more safely. I would not like you to drown." The gingerbread man slid onto the fox's nose, but when they reached the bank on the far side of the river, the fox suddenly went snap. The gingerbread man disappeared into the fox's mouth, and was never seen or heard of again. Here again, this is your pal Dexter, and I am reading another poem from a book. I hope you remember which book this is, but I'll tell you anyway. And this book is *The World of Christopher Robin* by A. A. Mill. And this one, just one story, mind or poem, is called *Cradle Song*. Here it goes. Oh, Timothy Tim has ten pink toes, and ten pink toes has Timothy Tim. They go with him wherever he goes. And wherever he goes, they go with him. Oh, Timothy Tim has two blue eyes, and two blue eyes has Timothy Tim. They cry with him whenever he cries, and whenever he cries, they cry with him. Oh, Timothy Tim has one red head, and one red head has Timothy Tim. It sleeps with him in Timothy's bed. Sleep well, red head. Of Timothy Tim, the end. That was nice. Hope you liked it as much as I liked reading it. So next up we have oh, a little story about a small person called Thumbelina, and she sings wonderfully. Thumbelina, Thumbelina, tiny little thing. Thumbelina, dance. Thumbelina, sing. Oh, Thumbelina, what's the difference if you're very small? When your heart is full of love, you're nine feet tall. Though you're no bigger than my thumb, 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 than my thumb. Sweet Thumbelina, don't be glum, don't be glum. Now, 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 come, come, come. Thumbelina, Thumbelina, tiny little thing. Thumbelina, dance. 
Thumbelina sing Oh, Thumbelina, what's the difference if you're very small When your heart is full of love, you're nine feet Than my toe, than my toe, than my toe, than my toe, than my toe. Sweet Thumbelina, keep that glow, and you'll grow, and you'll grow, and you'll grow. Thumbelina, Thumbelina, tiny little thing. Thumbelina, dance. Thumbelina, sing. Oh, Thumbelina, what's the difference if you're very small? When your heart is full of love, you're nine feet tall. Right now, as I record this marvellous fun show, I hope you're enjoying it. It's a sunny day outside. Enjoy the summer before it gets into autumn. It'll be here really quick. Lickety split. Time for another story. This one is Lone Ranger and Silver. Hello! horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger. This is the legend of a man and a horse, and how they met. The story of the Lone Ranger and his great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger and Toto were trailing the worst outlaw in the West. His name was Butch Cavendish. They had followed his trail for many weeks, until finally they noticed that the hoof prints of the outlaw's horse were fresh. We're close to Cavendish now. Yes, Toto. He can't be far ahead. Him outrun us last time. Maybe better we shoot in sight. No, I want to take him alive. I... That shot. Look out. Steady there, steady boy. Over there. Killer and ambush him right away. Toto, he missed me, but he shot my horse. Get after him. Get him up, Toto. Toto's horse was tired and no match in speed for the animal Cavendish rode. The outlaw escaped. When Toto returned from the futile chase, he found the lone ranger standing beside his dead horse. A good horse, Toto. Loyal, faithful, and brave. But my next horse must be faster. I wish that... Toto... We've heard stories of a wild horse, a fiery white stallion. Ah, him seen near valley over there, where Cavendish go. We'll be on the lookout for the wild horse while we follow Cavendish. Toto's horse carried the Lone Ranger's saddle, his saddlebags and bridle, while the masked man and the Indian continued on foot along the outlaw's trail. When they reached the top of a hill... Look, Toto. They halted suddenly and stared at an awe-inspiring sight far down in the valley. They saw a great white stallion in a death fight with a giant buffalo. 
The horse was plunging, rearing, charging, and dodging wildly. And the sun flashed from his coat as from a coat of polished silver. They realized that this was the legendary White Stallion, the one ranchers and hunters had talked so much about. Otto, we must have that horse. I'll try to shoot the buffalo. Get too far for pistol shot. I'll get closer before it's too late. As he ran downhill, the Lone Ranger watched the battle. The sleek white stallion was nimble and courageous, but his strength began to wane. The buffalo charged again and again. The splendid muscles of the white horse were slower in responding. Then too slow, he was caught by the buffalo's charge. Wet crimson stained his pure white coat. Another charge. The white horse saw it coming and he couldn't dodge. He staggered and fell. The monster drew back and lowered his head for the death charge. And then two shots rang out. The buffalo shuddered from the impact of the masked man's bullets. For an instant, he stood motionless, then fell. Cruelly battered and bruised, the white stallion lay quietly as the Lone Ranger bathed his wounds. During the next several days, the masked man and the Indian cared for the injured horse. Then the wounds were closed, and the horse's strength had returned. There was once more fire in his eye, a spring in his step, and his head was lifted proudly. Toto, he's himself again. Uh, him plenty strong, plenty good horse. I wonder if he'll take a saddle. Let's try. Steady there, steady boy. Me get rope. Him run away. No, Toto, wait. Let him go. I'd like to have that horse more than anything in the world. But he deserves his freedom. He fought for it. Him stop. He's turned to look at us. See how the sun reflects from his white coat. Ah. Him look like Silver. Silver. That would be a name for him. Silver! Look at him. Silver! Hey, Silver! Toto... He's coming back. It's just as if he knew what I said. Silver! Silver, you beauty. Hand me the halter, Toto. As the mighty stallion felt the halter, he trembled as if from a chill. Every instinct told him that he must flee at once to preserve his freedom. And yet he stood his ground. It wasn't gratitude that kept him there. It was something stronger. Some mysterious bond of friendship and understanding... He heard the man's voice, and he liked it. Silver. Silver. We're going to be partners. Him let you use halter. Now, Toto, the saddle. Oh, no horse like that. Take saddle. There never was a horse like this. Now, Silver, we're going to work together. The horse was wild and unused to the ways of men and the weight of a saddle and a rider. But the masked man was a kind teacher... He was gentle yet firm, and Silver was intelligent. The stallion seemed to sense the desires of the Lone Ranger and did his best to cooperate. He learned quickly, and after several days of training, he was ready. Follow me, Toto. I'm going after Cavendish. Come on, Silver! No hoofs had ever beat the plains like those thundering hoofs of the great horse Silver. During the past few days, Cavendish had gotten far away, but the masked man and Toto trailed him relentlessly with only a minimum of rest. It took days to cut down the outlaw's lead, but at long last, Cavendish came into view. There he is. Come on, Silver! 
the mighty stallion responded with a new burst of speed. Cavendish fired wild shots over his shoulder until his gun was empty. His horse, though powerful and fast, was no match for the charging silver. Fear and panic filled the outlaw's face. He heard the hoofbeats ever nearer. And then the masked man shout, I want you, Cavendish! The masked man's avowed mission was accomplished. The last of the Cavendish gang was captured to be tried by law and punished for his crimes. But there were many others whose criminal plans were to be challenged by the Lone Ranger, his faithful Indian companion, Toto, and his great horse, Silver. I am Silver! There's a man to rescue, folks. To right the wrongs and do the good deeds. The Lone Ranger. Yes. And... I've got a joke for you. Yes, are you ready? I hope this one works. Hmm. I think I'll have to do two parts, because it's one of those knock-knock jokes. Here we go. Knock-knock. Oh, who's there? Uh, doctor. Uh, uh, doctor who? Hmm, precisely. Oh dear, never mind. I hope you liked that joke. I hope you thought it was a little bit funny. And to quickly follow that up with something nice to listen to, it's Sing a Song of Sixpence. If you know what a sixpence was, 
or you could find out for me what a sixpence was. You could give us a call and leave a message and let me know, because I'd like to know how clever you all are, on 87888710, and you can tell me what you find out about sixpence. And when I get the answer, I'll tell everybody else next time. And that be good? Yes. Oh, yes. Whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. That's the song up next. When I was just a little girl I asked my mother What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. left to me to do today and remember next week i promise i will do my best to have another chapter of the story of happy the caterpillar about happy's first breakfast and in the meantime let's have a listen to sparky and the talking train
Do you like trains? There was a little boy once who liked trains. As a matter of fact, he more than just liked them. He loved trains. His name was Sparky, and he lived right near the railroad depot on Station Street. And he was always talking about the trains that went by. He lived so close to them that he could stand in front of his house and wave to the engineer and then count the cars as they passed. Sparky liked the passenger trains because they went so fast. And he longed someday to ride on one. You see, he never had. Sparky liked freight trains, too, because they were so long and had so many different kinds of cars on them. Sparky even learned the names of the different cars and used to call them out as he watched a freight train go by. Like this. Cox car? Tank car? Gondola? Gondola? Fox car? Refrigerator car? Tank car? Caboose? Sparky gradually learned a lot about trains from his father, who had a big job with the railroad. And he liked to talk about the things he knew with the other kids in the neighborhood. Do you know what the big wheels on the engine are for? Sure, anybody knows that. That's what the engine rides on. Yeah, who doesn't know that? Well, the engine rides on them, all right. But the big wheels are the ones that have the power. They make the train go. They're called drivers. Well, if you're so smart... What are those little wheels in the front for? They're the pony trucks. They guide the train on the tracks and make it go around turns. Well, what if they do? I'd rather play baseball and talk about trains. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Sparky, let's get up a game. Well, uh, I'd rather stay here. The express is coming through in a couple of minutes, and I wouldn't want to miss it. <laughs> Yes, Sparky would rather watch the express go by than play ball, shoot marbles, or almost anything. And it was a lucky thing that he did stay to watch the express that day, because for the first time, a very strange and unusual thing happened. You see, here's what happened. The express train came on time as usual. And as usual, Sparky stood in front of his house and called out the cars as they went by. Of course, passenger cars this time. Engine, coal car, baggage, mail car, coach, coach, diner, Pullman, Pullman, observation car. Goodbye! Goodbye, Sparky. The train! I mean, the whistle! It talked to me! said goodbye, Sparky. I heard it just as plain. Mother, Mother, the train, it talked to me. It said goodbye. I heard it. The whistle blew, and it talked. It talked to me. Mother, did you hear it? For goodness sake, what's all the excitement? I'm in the kitchen, dear. Mother, the, the train, it talked. It talked to me. Now, really, what in the world do you mean the train talked to you? It did. It answered me when I said goodbye. It was in the whistle. It, it... Mother, don't you believe me? Don't you believe the train talked? Well, now, now look, darling. Trains just don't talk. They're not human. They're just machines, dear. You see, it was your imagination. You just thought you heard the train answer you. 
was not my imagination. I heard it. I heard it plain as anything. Now, that's enough of that. We'll talk to your daddy about it when he gets home. Maybe he can make you understand. Now, run upstairs and wash. Daddy will be home soon, and we're having an early dinner. But, Mother, the I pr- said we'd talk about it when your daddy gets home. Now, do as I say. Yes, Mother. And poor Sparky went upstairs to get ready for dinner, as his mother had told him to do. But he just couldn't wait for his father to get home, because he was sure he would understand. After all, his father worked for the railroad, and if trains could talk, then his father must certainly have heard them. He could hardly wait, and when he finally heard his father coming up the walk, he ran down to meet him. Daddy, can't trains talk? Can't they, Daddy? Talk, Sparky? <laughs> well, they make enough noise, but I'd hardly say they can talk. But, Daddy, I heard it. I heard it just as plain. Oh, now, Sparky, I think your imagination is running away with you. You're thinking too much about trains. But, Daddy... Oh, now, don't be silly, Sparky. Come on, supper's ready, and we don't want it to get cold. Yes, Daddy. Poor Sparky. It seems nobody would believe him, not even his friends at school, when he told them about it the next day. But the train did talk to me. I heard it, it did. Oh, boy, that's a funny one. Trains talking. Who ever heard of a train talking? You're crazy, Sparky. You're train crazy. You've been watching those trains so much, you think they talk to you. All right, if you don't believe me, come on over to the depot and hear for yourself. The local is coming in. Maybe it will talk, too. Come on, if you're so smart. So Sparky and his friends went down to watch the local come in. The local stopped at the station right by Sparky's house. other kids couldn't hear the train talking. Perhaps it was because they didn't like trains as much as Sparky did. Perhaps the trains didn't want anyone else to hear them. Everyone in school talked about it and laughed at Sparky until he could hardly stand it. The older kids teased him and the younger kids pointed at him and giggled. So Sparky didn't play with them much anymore. In fact, he was a pretty sad and lonely boy, and he stopped telling anyone about the talking trains, even his parents. Sparky stayed pretty much by himself after that and said no more about trains. 
Even his mother and father noticed how quiet he was, and they began to worry about him. I'm worried about Sparky. He's so quiet, and he seems so unhappy. I know. I've noticed it too. Isn't there something we can do? Nothing seems to interest him. I know. He's always wanted to take a train ride. Why don't I take him into town tomorrow on the early train? That's a good idea. That'll certainly make him happy. Maybe if he rides on a train, he'll forget those silly ideas of his about trains talking. Sparky? Yes, Mother? Come in here a minute, dear. Yes? Sparky, how would you like to ride to town with me tomorrow on the train? To town? On the train? Oh, yes, Daddy. Will you take me? Will you really? <laughs> ah, that put a little life into Sparky. A ride on the train. He could hardly wait until the next morning. But the time finally came, and Sparky and his dad climbed into the first car where Sparky wanted to ride. It wasn't long until they were speeding along. Sparky was just about as happy as a boy could be. Daddy, how fast are we going? Oh, about 50 miles an hour, I guess. How far is it to town from here? Well, I don't know for sure, Sparky. About 30 miles, probably. It's 21 miles, it's 21 miles, it's 21 miles to go. It's 21 miles, Daddy. Well, how would you know, Sparky? Here comes the conductor. I'll ask him. How far are we from town, conductor? Well, we just passed Fair Oaks. Uh, it's exactly 21 miles. <laughs> oh, that's odd. How could you know so exactly, Sparky? Well, uh, the train, I... Uh, well, I just know. <laughs> hmm. Oh, that's odd. Odd indeed. Yes, Sparky's father didn't understand it. You see, he didn't know that the train had told Sparky how far it was. And Sparky didn't bother to tell him because he knew it would just make him angry again. So, on they rode to town. But a strange and exciting thing was to happen before they ever got there. Sparky and his father sat in the train as it rolled along without talking for a while. All of a sudden, the clicking wheels of the train began calling Sparky. Help me, Sparky. Help me, Sparky. Help me, Sparky. Help me, Sparky. What's the matter? Nothing's the matter. What do you mean, Sparky? Oh, uh, excuse me. Nothing, Daddy. Wheel is loose. Which one? Sparky, who in the world are you talking to? Right front wheel. Right front wheel. Right front wheel. Daddy, Daddy, the right front wheel is loose on his car. Stop the train. Tell the conductor. Daddy, please. Sparky, stop that shouting. What are you talking about? How do you know a wheel is loose? I know. The train is talk. Well, I just know. Please, Daddy, tell the conductor to stop the train. Sparky, be quiet. Everyone is looking at you. Now, don't tell me the train's been talking to you again and told you it has a loose wheel. Yes, Daddy, it did. It told me. We have a loose wheel. There will be a terrible wreck if the train doesn't stop. Sparky, I've just had enough of this nonsense. Now, you sit down and be quiet. There's nothing wrong with this train, and we're going to be in town in ten minutes. 
But Daddy, but Daddy, you've got to listen to me. If you won't do something, I will. I'll pull a cord up there, the emergency cord. That will put on the brakes and stop the train. Sparky, get down off that seat. Don't pull that cord. Stop. Sparky, stop. What's the matter? Who pulled the emergency cord? Who stopped the train? I did, sir. Uh, you did? Yes, Conductor. I, I'm afraid my son did, and I'm terribly sorry. Now, if you just start the train, I'll see that he's punished when we get home. Conductor, there's a loose wheel on this train, on the right front. And if you start this train again, there will be a terrible accident. Sparky, I told you Please, that... Mr. Conductor, please go out and look at the wheel. What's the matter with this boy, anyway? Well, uh... He thinks the train was talking to him. It's just his imagination. Now, please start the train, and uh, I'll keep him quiet. Wait. I'll make you believe me. I can prove that the train talked to me. Daddy, remember I told you when we were 21 miles from town? Yes, but... Uh... How did I know that? Well, I don't know. I... Uh... The train told me. That's how I knew. That ought to show you the train talked to me. And the train told me it has a loose wheel. Daddy, please just take a look and see. Well, you did say 21 miles when that's just what it was. Maybe we should take a look at that. Now, you're not going to start that talk, too. I'm going to signal the engineer to go on. I've had enough of this monkey business. Now, wait, conductor. Here's my card. I'm the Eastern Division Manager of this railroad. And I demand that you inspect the right front wheels on this car. Well, well, I guess I have to. And all three of them went out to look at the wheel that Sparky had said was loose. And sure enough, when they examined it carefully, it was so loose that in another few miles it would have come off. And there would certainly have been a terrible wreck. The conductor, Sparky's father, and even all the people on the train were amazed. Well, what do you know? See, the boy was right. Why, the wheel really is loose, and just the one the little boy said. Well, what do you know about that? The wheel was fixed, and the train went on to town. But by the next day, everybody for miles around had heard about Sparky and how he had saved so many lives. His picture was in all the newspapers, and he was quite a hero. The kids back home no longer laughed at him. In fact, they all wanted to be his friend because he was so famous. The president of the railroad even gave him a medal. It was at a special ceremony at the municipal building. Sparky, it gives me great pleasure to present you with this medal in appreciation for your service to this railroad. Uh, is there anything you would like that we can give you? Anything? Anything at all. Can I ride in the engine of the express? Can I? <laughs> well, Sparky, if that's what you want, you certainly can. It'll be an honor. And Sparky did. He rode in the engine right up with the engineer and came speeding through town at 80 miles an hour. And he blew the whistle, too. Of course, all the kids in town were there watching when he went past, and he waved to them, and they waved back, wishing that they could ride there, too. He went by so very, very fast... And that's the story of Sparky and the trains. He still rides up in the engine occasionally. 
And if you watch for him, you might see him almost any time. And I'll tell you something else. If you get to like trains as well as Sparky did, and if you listen carefully enough, maybe you'll hear them talk too. Lucky he did get that right front wheel repaired. Otherwise they could have been a diabolically terrible accident. Yes. Anyway, never mind. This has been Kidnappers Kids. I have been and I still am Dexter, your pal. I hope you're having a great time. I hope, hope you've enjoyed the stories and the songs and my silly joke. Yes. And one last song. And then I'll say ta This one is Nick Nick Paddy Wack. Give the dog a bone. This is Dexter signing off. Remember, be kind to one another. Ta-da for now. Go fetch the water. 
There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, a hole. Well, fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Oh, fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, fix it. With what shall I fix it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what shall I fix it, dear Liza? With what? With a straw, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. With a straw, dear Henry, dear Henry. With a straw. But the straw is too long, dear Liza, dear Liza. The straw is too long, dear Liza, too long. Cut it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Well, cut it, dear Henry, dear Henry, cut it. With what shall I cut it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what shall I cut it, dear Liza? With what? With an axe, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. With an axe, dear Henry, dear Henry. With an axe. The axe is too dull, dear Liza, dear Liza. The axe is too dull, dear Liza, too dull. Sharpen it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Well, sharpen it, dear Henry, dear Henry. Hone it. On what shall I sharpen it, dear Liza, dear Liza? On what shall I hone it, dear Liza? On what? On a stone, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. On a stone, dear Henry, dear Henry. On a stone. But the stone is too dry, dear Liza, dear Liza. The stone is too dry, dear Liza, too dry. Well, wet it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Well, wet it, dear Henry, dear Henry, wet it. <laughs> with what shall I wet it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what shall I wet it, dear Liza? With what? Try water, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. Try water, dear Henry, dear Henry. Use water. In what shall I fetch it, dear Liza, dear Liza? In what shall I fetch it, dear Liza? In what? In a bucket, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry. In a bucket, dear Henry, dear Henry. In a bucket. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. A hole. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.